I'd spend 250 bucks to uh, to see Jake White and say, I just need to go home for Christmas. <laughs> a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's got to go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to another season and episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Rivich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with a fellow Brit. I personally know him best as Brit Bear's brother, but you may know him better as fifth in the world. I know what you're thinking. Is he British? I would say no. He's Scottish. Boasting PRs of 144 and 800 and 331 for this Scottish record in the 1500. It's Jeff Whiteman's son, Jake Whiteman. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, that was a long intro, wasn't it? Well, I worked hard on it. I did. I did cool. work hard. I was no, really, I was like, I need to make sure Je- Jeff's in there. You know, how's he doing? Is he is he commentating on daily life like Carter, or like is he just is he good? Yeah, so he's he's got no work, does he? So he probably does all his all his announcing work at home. So I don't live with him, but my mum and my sister probably get like tea and dinner is all announced as they're eating it. Like what's, <laughs> what's the like potatoes like? What's the meat like? But. It's actually a bit of a shame for him because like he had a whole summer lined up. He was going to go Tokyo and announce. So got to wait another year like the rest of us. Eh? Yeah, yeah, that's tough, man. Yeah, I I can't imagine like because obviously they're individual contractors to all these events and and then they just stop. So yeah, that that kind of sucks. But I mean, Jeff's a great man, so he'll find his way. He'll be all right. You'll hear him before you see him, won't you? <laughs> Does it pain you, Josh, to uh? announce somebody else as a Scottish record holder like do your own introduction for them like I know you're working for that but you pretty much have to give him all the cred I mean yeah it, I'm not saying it, it, it hurts me but it definitely there's <laughs> it, definitely a deep down pain when it comes out my mouth yeah but you know it's you, you know it's, it's pretty cool to see that the Scottish record continues to go lower and lower every year would you have been under it as well on that day I don't think so but I think Chris had it at 32 low i think and i'm 32.5 so i think i think yeah. i don't think i would have got it but. our uh, our club rankings have been knocked up a bit haven't they <laughs> seriously yeah i know we'd be good at the club relays for sure i'm also well, like I've, I've never actually spoken with um another person from scotland so josh is really like my only um accent that i get to hear and i don't understand why yours is so clear and josh just sounds like he's gurgling gravel like it's well you're definitely more clear than him and you're across a couple ponds from us so um yeah that's quite controversial because i don't i don't sound scottish and that's because i wasn't born there so (laughs) i've been outed now but i moved out there when i was 10 years old and i never got any hint of scottish accent so i just sound stubborn as hell so this is well english stubborn that is nice yeah i feel i feel scottish that's important thing but every time i see you josh your, your accent's slowly starting to drift firm. No, I don't want to say and that, man. you're speaking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's, it's, oh, it's tough because I'm hanging around all these Americans all the time. So it was fine when I was living with my, my old roommate, Johnny Glenn, because like, he would just really bring me back in every day. But now I don't have him anymore. So it's, I'm trying hard, Jake. I really am. Don't, don't follow the crowd, mate. Be yourself, go on. I know, <laughs> be yourself. So um, I know you were um, out in the US for a while and you're back in the UK now. Like, what was that your pre-Olympic trials kind of training idea before, before like, when was it, June? That was supposed to be yeah. the Olympic trials. Like, what was the structure going to be like for the year? So we, we were meant to go out to uh, flag in, it was meant to be mid-April and then 
Trump announced that Brits couldn't come to the US on like it was like a Saturday. And then the last day we could fly was the following Monday, which was mid-March. So we were like, all right, well, we may as well try and get out to the US rather than not be able to get out at all. So we ended up spending uh, three months, nearly like 10 weeks probably out in the US. But after the first week of being there, we knew the Olympics were cancelled. And then we were like, okay, we'll stay out. And after like literally three weeks out there, Europeans were cancelled, there was no season. So it was kind of a bit different trip. Like enjoyed it a lot more than I would have otherwise because there's not the same intensity around it. But it kind of felt like we're taking a piss a little bit where we were out like and all that time in the States and being able to do everything while everyone back here was literally locked up inside, not able to do anything. So people asked me what the coronavirus was like for me at its worst. I couldn't tell you. We we were fine. <laughs> like we, we were training all right. Every restaurant when we were away was pretty much open just for takeout. So we didn't actually like get affected by it much. What's it been like for you guys? Well, I would say we're at our worst now. Yeah, <laughs> we obviously yeah. haven't really uh, been able to flatten the curve. I saw this um, tweet and it was like, congrats, America, you flattened the curve. And it was like a spike in March and then a line across and another spike in June. So like we're pretty much exactly where we were at a couple months ago. So, I mean, we're both in Seattle and I mean, Seattle's taking a hit on a lot of things right now. So, I mean, we finally got... Um, permission from like the state of Washington to work out as a team so we typically meet like three to four times a week and still get some like quality training in but I mean kind of like what you're saying some of the things kind of feel like a wash where um like what are we training for what are we doing um and like I know the guys are hitting some time trials um what were your short-term goals out of the year do you do you have anything planned do you have anything like that are just kind of keeping you busy or I'm trying to get at the moment trying to get a bit quicker like fly out speed because a chance to do something else like that I wouldn't necessarily have the, the time to be able to focus on actually getting ready to race trials or race hopefully like if it was the Olympics so trying to like focus on different things it's hard like the routine is getting boring now because for me a lot of the stuff around here so Teddington where I live the St Mary's Uni and the whole uni shuts to where I'm travel like an hour 45 minutes to train so the driving's getting me I'm fed up of sitting in the car and filling up my tank with petrol <laughs> too much now I see it well I mean what I hear from that is that you want to move to the 800 for the boys um so if you you know people say David's like why do you want Whiteman on so much I was like it's fine I'll try and convince him to run the 800 for the trials and that's so that sounds like what, you, what you're doing right? <laughs> no honestly it's, it's it's hard to do both at the moment isn't it every yeah. year I think it's going to get easier in our event and every year it seems to be getting harder and harder but we love it don't we we just love it oh we love yeah, it eat up. <laughs> so um for for people that are listening to this that don't really know what the british um like trial setup is it's pretty much uh an intense two days so it's a two days of competition where i think the 5k is like the start of uh yeah the start of the first day and then yeah it goes into like within an hour there'll be like the 800 prelims and the 1500 prelims and then the next day like 20 hours later it's the eight, uh, the 1500 final then the 800 final straight afterwards so you can't double in any way shape or form no. and like there's 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 no there's just no way that you can like try and if you like in the US you have nine days for the Olympic trials and you can run the eight and you can even have a couple of days recovery and then run the 15 so you know what your what are your thoughts on keeping the same structure or like even even just for the Olympics just stretch it out and see if we can have a go at both Jane that's Jane that's yeah well, ideally, it'd be classed because you're probably the same situation as me where you've got a good 800. It'd be nice to see how you could do in the British Champs over an eight as well. But I think we have the luxury of having one discretionary spot. 
I think the fact that we could, in theory, if we were good enough at the 8 and the 15, we could still get picked. We're only running the trial for one. Whereas just the depth of, I guess the depth same in the, in the UK, but in the US, you have to do the trial in both to make the team, um, which is just savage. So I think that third, the top three past the post and nothing else is like so savage. Like what if you've had like food poison the day before you get tripped? It's just like brutal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're actually in a lucky position to have, although a pretty hectic two days and a well intense two days, at least we know that it's not the be all and end all, although a lot of the time it seems to be at the moment because there's so many people running standards that you do really need to be top three in order to go. It's it's um the hardest bit is I think running those heats, Josh. Like whatever happens, you're gonna feel like rubbish. You never ever feel good. And I always think like if I get knocked out here in these heats, like <laughs> you're gonna be an embarrassment, aren't you? When you're expected <laughs> to make the and then you're just going out. Well, I will say that um I said because for some reason I'm always in the same heat as, as Neil, and I, I I pulled them aside like when we were in the um in the call room and I said Neil do you want to like if you take the first half I'll take the second half we'll keep it around we'll run like three four eight five and we'll both get in he's like ah okay sounds good so we did that um but so I just I'm making sly deals mate in prelims these days I'm I'm, I'm well, not I I'm not you never took a second off. Yeah, I, I also thought that's what you're going to say. <laughs> Me and Jake think far less of you then, Josh, because no, I thought you were going to say he took the whole thing. The <laughs> nah, no, uh, like it was it, it was good. Like it was just like I feel sometimes if you just close it, because you, you, sometimes you need to close off those prelims pretty hard and it's just it's, it's tough. Yeah. So I, I was just like, Neil, let's just push on. Sometimes the next day, but it's like the hardest bit is sometimes you work pretty hard in the last 200 just to make sure you're safe. And it's like, just keep cool at the end. Yeah. I don't know if you've expended any energy and then we'll spell like, as <gasps> you finish with it. It's savage. The eight guys, though, they're usually like first one and that's it. Mm-hmm. Make sure to finish. So if you haven't raced for a while or you just feel like not quite warmed up enough, you're, you're literally getting no second chance. You could be out and the heat's easy. Yeah. Well, like even, you know, with, with those guys, I think it's just so intense and we've not had any any like crazy knockouts like we haven't had like a big name be knocked out in the prelims but that happens quite a lot in the eight for for british champs like last yeah, year yeah. like there, there was a couple of people getting knocked out that probably shouldn't have done so yeah i think the eight's more savage at championship races as well because they have to run so hard like every single round yeah. they're running like 145 146 but you know normally yeah. we only run 340 but fucking chariot has a little bit of a different idea these days huh i know i, I don't know i can't remember what uh three races would have been in Doha, time-wise, but they got quicker and they started quick anyway, didn't they? I think it would have been like 36s down to whatever the final was. Like yeah. Oh, whatever the final was, just a Scottish record, whatever the final was, mate. <laughs> yeah, but we, we were in a glorified time trial, weren't we? we <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah. That, we that'd were actually be interesting to uh, to combine the three rounds at Worlds and average out the time and see what that average time was for just like the people in the final. Because I would be curious to th- to see if it was like the fastest overall average world championship slash Olympics um, ever, because it was like 36, 37. And I think in the semis, you pretty much had to run the world standard to make the final. And then you had to yeah. then again, run national records to even get close to the top. Um, so you guys talked about um, the British champs and as an American, it's like, yeah, the top three is savage and it's just like the depth um, is there in the prelims where crazy things have happened. Like, I mean, Robbie Andrews won the 2017 U.S. Championships and then in 2018 failed to make the final. Um, so it's just like there is some depth when it comes to the advancements. But like you said, there are multiple days um, where 
um, you do get to recover and have the opportunity to run separate events. And maybe if like the USA in 27 or 2018, when Robbie didn't make that final, maybe that's when he could have like made a protest of like, Hey, like I was a USA champion last year. I've made like a world finals type thing. Do you guys like the fact that the third spot is up for grabs in terms of, um, talking with the Federation or do you want to change that? And how do you make the team finishing third if it's not automatic? I can probably answer that better than Josh. I don't think I don't think you've done it yet, have you? I'm either second or sixth, mate. That's my. Uh... <laughs> That's what we want. It's all or nothing, isn't it? Yeah. So I think honestly, I think finishing finishing third is almost the worst place to be because it is out of your hands. You've you've got no say in it. And twice, I think it was, I've been down between me and Gricey between uh, that third spot, and it went down to the fact in Doha we had to write letters to say like why we think we should be picked. So I was like, Christ, there's literally going to be like nothing in this. But I think that is that is the blessing. Is that, well, I, I guess I still would have made it if it was top through like you guys on both occasions. And I hope that is the way they look at it. It's like, well, if everyone's going in with a standard and the trail has a huge sway towards it. Um, but I don't know if if every single race of the of that kind of year you've beaten someone and then for some reason you just literally have a bad day in the final of British champs, then you could have an argument for it. But at the same time. There's no right why you should be in that team. Otherwise, it's literally down to the selectors. Yeah, how worried were you at finishing third with Charlie running like 330, 331 in Monaco? Like, were you like, what what was that process like after the race? Because, you know, a lot of the times you finish those races and the worry's over, the, the job's done, but you still kind of had that over yeah. your head. Well, I, I was so sulky probably at the end of that. I think like it's so different from with Josh and Neil where you guys know you're guaranteed and it's like you can relax, get ready to go and it's like all you think in your head is like I've messed that up big time. Like it's literally nothing I can do now apart from wait. So I, I felt like my previous championship records had been okay. Like I'd done all right in Europeans the previous year in comedy so I hoped that that was going to be something they take into factor but we were always under the illusion I think that if one of us didn't go for 15 they'd take us for eight. So as soon as I got the call saying I got the 15 spot, I was like, okay, that's fine. Cause like Charlie will still be going for the eight. And then he wasn't. So I was like, well, I was literally either going or not then. So that was the case. Um, but I literally had to go, I went up to Sam Ritz the next day, assuming I was going, I like packed my GB kit. And I think like, I could be literally doing this to check it all the way back like a week later. Cause I'm not going anywhere after. It's sad. It's like some full kit wanker that just travels around with all his kit. Like waiting for the call up. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what you get there's, there's been people that have been out on camp or like getting ready for champs and then have been told you're not racing and then you've got, got, you just got to go home so I was fully aware that could have happened but you have to be in the like, mindset that you probably think hopefully will go okay I guess yeah did you feel like you had something to prove then once you got to the world championships I mean like your times and your accolades previous speak for themselves I mean you've also won fifth ab which is like an incredible road race that everyone dreams of winning, right? And so you obviously have like the caliber to be at the World Championships. Did you still kind of feel like you had something to prove once you got there, or were you just locked in and on going for the medal? Uh, so my my thing is that I, I always feel like my best racing comes at the champs. Mm-hmm. But I've never I've never won a British champs, and it's like that that's not great. If you if you're finishing first Brit at championships, then you want to be winning the British champs on the way. And it's have you have you won one yet, Josh? Nope. Did you watch his indoor uh, 800? Like, hey. Yeah, I, I thought, I was honestly with like, was there a lap to go when you hit the front? I was, I'd have put money on you then to get it. Mate, but everyone got the whole time and someone too, fell Josh. behind me and yeah, I still Yeah, we never talk about this, man. There was like, you had a 50-meter gap. Did you <laughs> know people hit the deck, by the way, when that happened? 
What? No. Oh, yeah. I heard people going crazy. I was like, ah, oh, easy dub. And then I was like, ooh, everything seems to be getting a little bit tight here. <laughs> Problem. But, Sorry, the snipers are picking you up, I know. Mate, I could have ran the 15 and won it in like 350, but I, I chose the hard route, but still have Yeah, exactly. You know. that, that's, the, that's the best thing about stepping down like that is people don't really expect too much either. So you can literally go out and have fun. Yeah. And if the wheels fall off in the last 200, they fall <laughs> off, don't they? It's just the way it goes, mate. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, only, that's probably one of the worst feelings, especially in our British Champ finals. I feel like every time you come into that last 100, everyone's literally just scrapping. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're either going to be able to scrap and not die too bad, or you're scrapping and you're going backwards. It's, it's like, it's never like, well, you might be different, but I've never felt like I'm in control of how quick I'm finishing. I'm literally just holding on to it. That was definitely the the situation in, in 2019 because it was windy down the home stretch. And I was like, I was kind of worried coming into the last 100. I was like, I've kind of laid all my cards out here. So I really hope no one has just been sitting on me. And, you know, obviously big Nelly, big Neil Gurley wants, wants the inside go at it. But yeah, it was it, it was a tough last 100. I was just trying to keep it together, to be honest. You did on that day, you did the best thing that you could have done for sure. Like you, you made the team from making that move. So what else? would you want it like there's no guarantee any other way would have won you that race but that was probably your best chance for sure if you're in the spot yeah I think you know it's the situation was like you know we've been working on like hard hard sixes and hard fours and hard eights and stuff at the end of workouts so you know it was just like I thought you know I'd rather go all out and leave it all there and not make the team than run not my like not the best race I could and and maybe sneak in so I was just like, I'll lay it all out here and, and, and see how it goes. But it was definitely a hard way to run it. <laughs> I do remember in my head being like, tough it's choice. Balls, isn't it? It's probably felt <laughs> so good down the back straight. And as soon as you come into the home and it's actually a barrier of wind, it's like, yeah. well done. Yeah, you're like, oh, mistake, mistake. <laughs> I was like, I just need to beat like two out of the four here and then I, I'll, I'll secure. But yeah, I was getting ripped for letting Neil on the inside. But yeah, I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Excuse me. It? it always opens up on the rail especially if there's people come around the outside Dude, neil's getting too confident with that inside i reckon after doha <laughs> he's just sitting on the out. rail every day <laughs> I, to be fair it's ballsy though but like you, yeah. you've got to you've got to have guts to be able to do that because i'd always panic thinking well there's there's a few instances where it's probably not going to open up right and you're not going to be able to get around in time but fair play that's ncaa here that's yeah. what you guys learned yeah well, you're yep. you're a UK uni guy, so what 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 was the kind of decision there with like you know I'm sure you had lots of offers to go to the US and you, and you ended up going to Loughborough. Like what, what happened, Jake? What happened? Hey, I, I thought I never actually heard of one offer when I was at school, but really? I think in hindsight, I've heard on the room mill that my dad had some and threw him in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I was always like I was always set on being close for my dad still. And Loughborough was where I wanted to go. So, I don't know. For me, like, I can't complain that everything went all right for me in the UK. I, I get jealous of the... Like, I went to Florida State uh, in the summer or when we were out in the US. And, like, the facilities there, it's ridiculous. You compare that to... Loughborough was probably the best we could have in the UK, but it's still such a, like, student setup compared to what you guys have in the US. You're treated literally like professional athletes before you actually become one right so you're so much more ready to make that transition into it when it arrives yeah dave, dave will know what loughborough is like it's like um d2 dave oh, okay like yeah cool so two. limited yeah, facilities maybe, maybe 
Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a little indoor straight. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean we don't have it. We have this thing called the rubber room, um, and that was like this warehouse with like this baseball slash track surface, but people got staph infection from it, so they just recently ripped it up. So that's that's about where we're at um, at Division Two. And you were talking about <laughs> wait, what's up? Where, where did you go? Which college was uh, it? I went to Western Oregon University. So it's comparison probably to uni. Like when you look at like Division One programs and you think, wow, look how much they have. Same thing at the Division Two level for the U.S. So, yeah, the NCAA is structured, <laughs> as you know, like D1, D2, um, D3. For the transition from college, I will say there's like an, a reverse effect too where like Josh went to New Mexico. They didn't, I don't think, had like state-of-the-art facilities all the time um, in, in a lot of things. But there are wow. universities like, I guess, Florida State where these athletes are given that professional feel but then if they do transition to the post-collegiate life they see a different side of it like oh wow we don't have a lot of things now like we had a lot in college but here we are now without a alter g without an indoor facility and so i I wonder if there is like a flip side to it that like has a negative effect that you are given all these things in college and then once you want to transition you're kind of stripped of all those things that you took advantage of um so what is the competition like then in uni i'm calling it unique to try to sound cool and relatable yeah, you to don't you sound good saying it mate so how, how yeah, about yeah. that uni um <laughs> yeah uh so is it like is there like a, a uni championships what's it called yeah it's called but the british university and college sport like championship so i don't want to slag it because i actually love my time there but if you imagine what the heats of ncaa for like nationals are for the heats of bucks, you don't have to run under four minutes for the 1500 to get to get through to the semi. So it's like, it eases you in. That's the best thing. But I actually, like, I was second in my first year and I thought that was a massive deal for me. And it probably was at the time. But then you realise after that, you probably got the top three, I'd say, would be able to make finals at nationals, maybe top two or so for you guys, whereas the depth probably isn't there for the rest of the field. But I think like I'd have probably been swallowed up within NCAA in my first or second year so for me it actually helped me I think I was able to actually like medal at Bucks and probably have a little bit more success because of that whereas I don't think I would have even made nationals in my first year if I'd gone somewhere in the States. I think I think the biggest thing with Bucks that, that surprises me is I think the points for Bucks is the same points for NCAAs for like the world rankings. Yeah yeah. It's like going to uh, going to the UK uni just for that every time I go to the Olympics. Points, <laughs> yeah, but we have like so you guys. I don't know how many people you have in the crowd there, but it always looks like you're filling out like Hayward Field, whatever. But we have a stadium called Bedford, which Josh Euler raced there a fair few times. But it's got windy. one stand, and it's windy and cold and grim, and people are sat there in like puffer jackets, like shivering, just waiting for it to be over. <laughs> but yeah, I was lucky that Loughborough would always win it. So. It was nice to be part of a team and feel like you're actually doing something for it, even though there was not many other unis competing against them at the time. It was almost like guaranteed before they'd done. I feel like we're moving backwards in your career, and I, I did want to speak to uh, about like the the transition from the mother coaching to the father coaching situation. Like, how how's that been? Like, you know, you'd you'd finish a a good day at practice, and then you'd go home, and your your dad's make your dinner, and you're still pissed off at him for something you said or something like that. Is, was yeah, there like any situations like that? Never made dinner in his life. That's the <laughs> no, I don't believe nah. it. Just legend. <laughs> nah, so like, because I've literally known nothing else but my parents setting it. So if ever people ask what it's like, it's like, well, what the, what the hell is it like to not have a like coach that's a not your parent I don't, I don't know anything different but 
I think, uh, yeah, my mum used to set my stuff. I was at a school called Stu Mail, uh, which you all know, Josh, obviously, mm-hmm. beforehand. And my mum, with the help of, like, Lindsay Sharp's mum, coached there a little bit. And then I went to school called Fetties after that, when my mum was actually the PE teacher. So she would set the training sessions, literally, I think, for me. But I think my dad was a bit of the puppet master with that. I don't know if Susan had all the reins. I think he was probably setting it and, like, slowly breeding me to do what he wanted to do. <laughs> Um, but we were lucky like I think uh, in Edinburgh there was so much competition there was such a good like club to train with wasn't there mm-hmm. you know, like you go down to the track and you'd always see like they'd be like Chris they'd be like your, your brother mm-hmm. when he was younger he was a little bit younger than me like you were coming through Ross Madison there was yeah. always athletes that you could look up to and feel like Christ they're like absolute spanking training now therefore like what am I doing just fanning about while I'm going down there <laughs> yeah oh for sure like that like the the metal bank situation on a tuesday thursday was definitely was definitely good and there was so many role models there for sure but yeah if, if the track has a hill in it then you've got to you've got to work for it so that track was mad says, uh, the floodlights because it's from like the 70s isn't it Meadowbank? well it's not even there anymore but each of the floodlights probably had a potential to have like 30 bulbs lit but they only had one bulb <laughs> in each so you, between like each of the corners you couldn't see anything down the straight it's black love it mate <laughs> um doing my research and by research i mean josh just letting me know you went to an all boys boarding school is that right no it was it was actually mixed my school before was, was? All boys. okay see I, my, I got misinformation classic josh just making me ask a question boys, with it? false information uh, nah, Fetties is mixed, oh. is mixed. Yours, wait oh no yours is mixed as well isn't it what yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad. So Stumel, where I was before, would have been all boys. And then my parents, when my mum started teaching at Fetties, they took us out of Stumel and we went there, um, which probably saved my social skills a little bit. <laughs> Are you saying you're social? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I'm I'm trying to be. But I think if I'd have stayed in, uh, if I'd have stayed in all boys, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. I think I was glad to be exposed to, to yeah, everybody. Have you always been speed-based, or are you a little bit more on the endurance side? Uh, I never really do too much mileage in the winter or anything like that. So the most I'll ever get up to is probably like 70. But I think it's a lot of quality over quantity, so my runs are quick. Um, so I'd be running, like steady running would be 540-odd, and then my easy running would be only a little bit outside six maybe, or just about six. Um, so I don't do too much outside of that and then we probably make sure that we do like two sprint sessions a week i don't know if it's a bit like your guys stuff where like we try and keep speed stuff throughout the year so i see a sprint coach and i'll be running flat out from probably november time just obviously like not doing too much volume of that because i think that otherwise just become like a sluggish athlete don't you and by the time you need that speed you'll end up not having anything at all (laughs) like we're we're, all of us are probably i don't think i'm naturally ridiculously quick so i need to keep work on that and still like when we're racing in 800s you're running against guys that are dropping 45 second 400s so we've got to try and get close to that i'm not saying i'm anywhere near that i could probably do like a 47 at push but that's the kind of guys we're racing yeah for sure and like you were saying that um 
when you you came over to to Scotland, and we can hear it in your accent. You're not Scottish, mate. We can hear. Oh it. no! Oh yeah. We, we can. Twitter it, tells me that sometimes, and it's quite. And strange. I was I was trying to I was trying to tell Dave. I was like, you you'll be on you'll be able to understand them pretty easily. So, you know, and he was like, no, nah, I think I think he's more Scottish than you, Josh. And I was like, mm, not sure about that. So he said, nah, well, why don't, why, why don't we put it to the test? Why don't we do a a, a Highland Games type Scottish trivia? So um, Dave's written some questions down, and we're yeah. going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a little game here. Yeah, we're going to do a little game. We're going to get the viewers involved, too, to see if any of our uh, British or even American viewers are more Scottish than either of you two that claim to be so Scottish as you are. Um, and then, actually, we're going to go into a next segment where we're going to talk about the Highland Games because a photo was leaked by you two, or by Josh, of you two being young kids with a trophy at a Highland game competition. Oh, that wasn't a Highland Games, mate. That oh. was, that was yeah, oh, the cross-country relay, relays, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched a, a documentary yesterday on Highland Games, and so I learned all about the caper and things, so I want to get into that. Um, the, the, the What did you call it? The caper? What's it called? <laughs> caper is a fish, mate. Caper. It's a caber. Yeah, oh, Kaber? Okay, yeah, let me just turn that P into a B. Dyslexia taking its toll. All right, <laughs> so embarrassed. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into some Scottish trivia. It's only gonna be a series of five questions, so this won't take yeah. too long. Um, I'm gonna read out four potential answers. I'm gonna say A, B, C, and D. So before Josh blurts out and interrupts, um, because he thinks he knows, make sure you hear all the answers, and then we're gonna alternate back and forth who says their first guess. So for the first one, I'm gonna ask. Um, it says, a Scotland's national flag consists of a white cross on a blue background and is dedicated to which person? The country's patron saint. A, St. Patrick, B, St. Andrew, C, St. George, or D, St. David. Josh, you have the first guess. St. Andrew. St. Andrew? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jake? <laughs> yes, yeah, tough. I'm going to have to go St. Andrew as well, I think. Correct. Both of you are one for one. The correct answer is St. Andrew. I'm actually kind of worried about this because if, if I mark any of this stuff up, I'm going to look like a right fool. I, I feel like I've got, have me sound like this, you sound like that, I've got a bit more leeway for this. <laughs> All right. So, Jake, you're going to have the first um, answer response for question two. Which one of these mountains is the highest point, not only in Scotland, but in the whole of the United Kingdom? A, I'll probably butcher these names, by the way, Sleeve Donard. B, Snowdon, C, Ben Nevis, D, Scaffold Pike. It's uh, Big Ben Nevis. Oh. Josh? Yeah, it's Ben Nevis, mate. The correct answer is Ben Nevis. So you guys are two I for two. I don't even know what uh, A was meant to be. Slave Donard? Yeah, I don't know either. Honestly, none of these make any sense to me, so... I took this quiz. It's actually a 10-question quiz. I got two out of ten. So um, I made sure to take those two out, so... Because they're the pretty easy. Right so far. Uh, yeah, and you guys are two for two, so no, you guys are doing you, good. Would you have got, we've, you oh have got the first no, right. no, 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 no! I got like I took out the question, but it was uh, this type of attire, and it does the answer was a kilt, so I knew that one at least. <laughs> so for question three, Josh, you got the first answer. Scotland has a variety of unique dishes to satisfy your hunger, but which of the following is not from that country? A. Oh, stargazy no. pie. B. Colon skink. C. Haggis or D a broth smokies. Uh, what's not from Scotland? What is not from that country? Do you want me to hear them again? Yeah, because I think you're butchering some of these names. <laughs> yeah, I, I only recognise two, I think. Yeah, I know. Okay. okay. Uh, Stargazy pie for A. B. 
colon skink. Colon skink. C U L L E N and then S K I N K. I'll just go for that one. You're gonna go for that one. You're gonna go for B. Yeah. Jake, do you wanna hear him again oh, or? I don't know A or B, so I'm gonna go A. The correct answer is A. Stargazy pie. Oh, Josh. So Jake takes yeah. the lead. That means you're not allowed to run for Scott in the next commies. Yeah. No. You get the next <laughs> yeah, I wasn't allowed to run for Scott in last commies, mate. <laughs> Okay. All right, this one I should be able to pronounce. Um, so the question four, Jake has the lead. Only one of these rivers is found in Scotland, but it happens to be the longest one entirely on Scottish soil. Which of the following rivers is it? A, River Thames. B, Thames. <laughs> what is it, Thames? Is it Thames? Thames. Okay, Thames. so that's A. Uh, B, River Tamar. Tamer? I don't know. Okay. Uh, C, River Trent, or D, River Tay? It's uh, D, the River Tay. Josh? Yeah, that's what I'm You don't want to risk it? You don't want to extend out to see if, like, you can... I would. I would if it was difficult. All right. So it is River... (laughs) Yep, it is River Tay. So I have one more to pull this back, is what you're saying. You have one more to pull this back. You also get the first first response you have you have to go for a different one jake come on um would you i'll even let you choose the topic josh wildlife or city history city history all right which one of these scotland cities is nicknamed the granite city because so many of its buildings were built with that material a <laughs> dundee b aberdeen c glasgow or d iverness Iverness. Oh yeah, okay. It definitely goes N and then V, so Inverness for yeah. Uh, um, the gravel city, you said. Yeah. Do you want me the granite city? Granite. Would you like to hear the options again? Can I can I can I pull on a friend one second? Do you know the answer to this? To who? Do you know the answer to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm Scottish. How would I not? <laughs> Um, I don't think it's Glasgow because I feel like I would have heard that but I don't know much about Dundee or Inverness you want to hear the options again? yeah A. Dundee B. Aberdeen C. Glasgow D. Inverness and it's nicknamed the Granite City Uh, B. B. Aberdeen yeah Jake what's the right answer? yeah Aberdeen yeah it is Aberdeen yeah. You so you can't there. go for the same one as me. I, I feel like that's a draw, yeah, man. That's yeah, a draw. <laughs> so Jake ends, ends it with a little bit more uh, Scottish knowledge than you, Josh. And you claim to be a Scottish this is a dumb game. I didn't, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to play this game, to be honest. I don't even <laughs> I like this podcast. I just everyone to the podcast that Josh doesn't have a whole lot of natural knowledge of uh, his home country. Like, I know oh. everything about the United States, obviously. Okay, um, caper guy. All right, let's move on, caper. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to move on a little deeper into the Scottish history. Um, I want to talk about the Highland Games. Do you think that um, there is any sport in the world that has as much pride for like a nationality game than the Highland Games, or do you think that is like the true spirit of sportsmanship and country pride? You beat uh, one yet, Jake? Yeah, 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 I did. I've actually like I think I must have been like twelve or something like that. I think it was Alloa or something like that. 
and we went up and uh, we did like the hill race. And I remember I was in like third or something like that. And I was ahead of this girl that was just behind. And she literally jumped over a wall and cut straight across the field to the finish. Whereas I went straight along the road and back. And apparently that's the rules. You can literally make your own way back wherever. So I was raging. I got chicked and I missed out on getting a tenner and I only got five pounds. <laughs> Have you been? Do you used to do the border game stuff? Yeah, I used to do. Um, I didn't win any money, by the way, by the NCAA rules. Um, but I, uh, I used to run the border games and Highland games a little bit. So what it is really, it's just like a collection of different distances run on grass, like grass tracks, and um, yeah, it's just a bit of fun. You could win a bit of money. It wasn't exactly a lot of money, but it was just like just something to do really. And uh, in the, the middle of well, on there. Yeah, so they do they do these handicap races. So you'll go in and you'll you'll give your whatever your your PB would be, and um, they would they would put you on a on a certain like meter from however meters from the from the start. So like if I'd ran two minutes for the eight hundred, I might be off scratch, and if someone ran two one, they might be off five meters and stuff like that. So it goes all the way, and the longer the race, like sometimes you'll have people that are um, maybe five meters ahead of you that are already like a lap and five meters ahead of you at the start of the race when the gun goes off so it's a lot of fun to watch and the goal is to have all the people finish on the on the, on the finish line at right like, like older. so super exciting to watch and uh but yeah it was it, I, I did like three or four i think and uh in the middle in the highland games in the middle will be like the caber toss and all the like chucking some big ball over something i don't know they'll be doing a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff but um but yeah. it, was, it was always a bit of fun a bit of the, the bagpipes and stuff as well so it was good we went and did, uh, when I was at school, we went and did like the Junior Highland Games and loads of schools went up and did them. And I can't, we must have had like six people or something like that. But one of the, one of the like, events was uh, tug of war. And like it was me and my brother who were both like these absolute twigs. <laughs> we're like half of the tug of war team. So we had no chance. But I think like it's class. It's, it's all events that you've never find anywhere else in the world. So, and you're not going to be able to, see them and actually watching a YouTube video actually go and watch it in the flesh and they're, they're, they're strong men like the guy's trying like tossing the cable and is there one way you chuck just chuck a barrel over a big old like pole vault thing almost yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called but like they do it like backwards and throw it over the big I don't know stand they're, they're absolute weapons doing it aren't they yeah <laughs> Yeah, looking at looking at some of the events, it's it's nuts. Like the the documentary on Netflix right now that had like a thirty minute feature. It's like a fifty six pound weight that they're throwing over a bar like fifteen feet up in the air. And then even yeah. like the caber, because it's not a pea, it's not a caper. That's a fish. It's a caber. Because it it would probably be more Scottish to throw a, a fish. <laughs> yeah, but um, do you think that there's anyone in the men's fifteen hundred right now that could throw a caber? Maybe like an adjusted thing for distance runners but do you think anyone could do a caber because josh you're pretty burly man you might be able to throw it burly thank you dave <laughs> I, I'd, I'd put my money on you josh to be fair of anyone but i think we'd be doing all right if we could even chuck it like out of our hands yeah, of time, you just have to let it, let it let it fall right that's the hardest bit so it's like i think you're, you're trying to get it as straight as possible right is that is that the goal of the caber toss yeah it's like so, you're trying to get it straight to like, i mean i'm like, not going to educate you guys on it but yeah so it's like when you so the caber is like this long what is it like a log pretty much a tree it's yeah. like a tree okay. trunk pretty much yeah. yeah so you you hold the tree at the the base of it and your objective is to do a full flip of the log to have it land upright and then land as close to noon as possible so it's like the yeah. measurement would be how far off you are from high 12 
Um, so you want it to land directly in front of you. And watching some of the guys do it, they're probably like 300. Like one guy said he's 6'4", 302 pounds. And it's like he's not even be able to get enough force underneath it to to flip it. Yeah, and that guy's we're, we're not humongous. Yeah, no, no we, 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 I, I'm, I would say I'm a little bit heavier than the normal 1500-meter runner, but I'm not up at the 300 range at the, at the moment, anyway. You could I get there. Uh, on a... your, your brother could do that, couldn't he? <laughs> That's true. I think he's like 250. But, yeah, large guy. <laughs> Good man. Don't want to wrestle him again these days, but I do try. <laughs> I, I can remember when uh, we must have been at Young Athletes League and he did the 1500 and the javelin double. <laughs> unheard of the classic double yeah um so yeah we do we do like to have a bit of fun on this podcast and and what that ends with is something called the banter ball so we have written a couple things down we might have done a bit of research here and there that you don't know about jake and we might be throwing some stuff at you that you're gonna need to have some explanations um sure. you know we've 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 dug deep into some of your friendships actually and, and they've ratted you out on a couple things so yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would strap in for this one, but it will start it off easy. We'll start it off easy, and what I will say is, um, was it a plan for you in 2017, in uh, when we were in Font-Rameau in France, to get me hooked on brioche, um, to make sure that I was overweight by the time I got to the first round of the championships, um, and then get knocked out? And I, I genuinely think that's because of the brioche that you, you, you seem to hook me so, on. I was eating a loaf a day, mate. I think I was probably getting over my own guilt of like being addicted to it by feeding it on. I'm a feeder. I like to enjoy things with other people. And I don't think you probably like looked at it twice before taking some and getting hooked yourself at that point. But yeah, I, I stopped eating it, I think, after a weekend because I was having it for breakfast each morning. And I was like, what What the hell am I doing? It's literally like having a big old like croissant, isn't it, for, for breakfast. It was that and uh, there were so many things probably in that in that trip in Font that we probably weren't doing right. Like, me and Zach said and were, were you eating them as well? We're snacking on that frozen mango. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was there. And, and yeah. I had like the worst stomach and I was like, Christ, I don't know what I've been eating that my stomach's so bad. And I was like, yeah, probably eating like straight frozen mango. Mate, it was my first no, ever trip. I was just like getting led astray by these mango brioche eating boys. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm involved. <laughs> no, I, honestly, like, I, I don't know if I'd... Uh, I wouldn't go back to Font in a rush because there are actually so many temptations. Like, there's that little bakery on the way back up from the lake every time. That's just yeah. fully with like fresh croissants and pastries and stuff. And it's rude not to. You got to support the local community, don't you? Yeah, that's got to be like one of the worst parts about international competitions. When you're there, like you see all these things that you want to try. Like um, in Belgium, like my loft was right above a gelato and waffle place, and I'm just like, I want to, I want to eat this every meal. But you also have to kind of like dial it back and not try to get yourself overweight to get knocked out in the first round you guys you guys uh, think it's like it's bad for that but when we go to the u.s you're surrounded by so many things you can't go back in the uk like it's so easy to eat crap out there that's it's, true like, it's harder to find healthy stuff than it is to find like literally as many sweets and like biscuits and cookies wherever as you can get right yeah are you trying to say the u.s isn't healthy <laughs> I wanted to butter him up first, mate. You go yeah. for it. I just, I right, I was gonna say, he he uh he buttered the biscuit, and I'm gonna put it in the oven and get some heat rolling. Okay, so this is like Before the real. F- hey, the brioche. Yeah, <laughs> we we buttered the brioche. I don't even know what that is, but I'm just Before gonna act like I do. <laughs> so we turned up the heat of the oven. We're on broil. So yeah. this is a pretty direct question to both of you. Um, you guys have a lot of racing experience. Um, what was your tactic for British champs, and in the opinion of the other, where do your weaknesses show? 
So Jake, God. what's Josh's race weakness? Josh, what's Jake's race weakness? Honestly, I actually think that you're a very, very strong racer. Obviously, oh. that day especially, and I think you ran the exact race that you should have run that day. Um, do you think I was going to do that though? Yeah, that's that's the thing is you know it's going to happen, but there's nothing you can do. That's the worst bit, um, <laughs> mate. So I, I actually my plan was just to react to whatever was going to happen and hope that I was strong enough to be able to go again with like 150 to go and. My mistake that day, I think, was I ran round on your shoulder with 150 to go, which probably did two things. Like, meant I ran wider, but also it meant you came out, didn't it, and let Neil through on the inside, which... Oh, Neil so I can blame you for that. I know, that's <laughs> me. I'll, I'll take the blame. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I want Neil there, dude. I the big old price, wasn't I, for it? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, weakness-wise, like, I think my biggest weakness was just... Like it, it's it's a very nerve wracking experience with our like our championship because it is so intense. Like it is very ner- like nerve wracking, and I had a couple of ideas in my head what I wanted to do, but I knew that like I wanted to go really hard at 600 to go and see how we went. So that went well. Um, but yeah, I I just started drifting out because I've said this to a lot of people. When you've got a 144 333 guy and then a 330 guy on your right. And behind you, you've got a guy that just ran 401 in the mile at the London Diamond League a month early, like earlier. Like, what way are you swaying? In my yeah, mind, yeah. it's like, I'm swaying to the right. And, and like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Neil because Neil ran the best race. And he was obviously been training his ass off to get to that point. But that was just in my head, the, the decision I made. Yeah. And then he obviously comes I mean, on the inside. Naturally, you do that anyway, though, don't you? You're mm-hmm. more aware of what's coming on the outside than the inside, which is why that probably does pay off a lot of the time. Yeah, I just, yeah, but when I rewatched it, I'm like, how, like, he, he, like Neil just looked so good the whole way. He was just chilling. He was just like waiting for his spot, and then it, it came open and it happened. But I mean, yeah. So uh, that win was just gonna take anyone out, though. So yeah. you know, British champs is always gonna be a different situation where it's gonna be windy, it's gonna be a grind, and it's gonna be intense. So yeah, it's it's All always a grind. Think, yeah, <laughs> to be fair, like he probably should have done the race that you did. Like Gracie probably should have ran. A bit more like like you did. And I reckon going forward, I reckon you've changed the way that British Champs final is going to be run because like every other time it's literally left a, a 150, 200 burn up, and yeah. you're literally putting your money on anyone in that situation. It's all about where your position is with 200 to go. Whereas you actually put yourself in the position to try and win that race, and I thought I was trying to do the same, but just obviously <laughs> didn't quite manage to do. <laughs> I went backwards. Mate. You managed to hold it and just get nicked. Yeah, mate, it's it's just like, uh, it's tough now because you've now got probably going to be five or six of us, hopefully, with the standard. I mean, I'm sure Chris is, is easy enough to get the stand for him, but it's just the, the time window seems to be short now, which is a shame. And then, you know, you've got James West in there now and as, as well. So it's like, you know, I mean, it's just too, it's gone too far, mate. We need to have two different teams. Yeah, we need a call, is how you going to say. <laughs> it's gone too far. Would you it's the most romantic banter ball. If there was a chance to have, if Scotland ever did get independence, there was a chance to compete for Scotland rather than Great Britain. Would you do that? If it was my only option, maybe. Like, it's it's tough to say. Like, I don't get any funding from you know UK Athletics, so it's like I don't really gain that much 
from you know UK athletics and I you know I get support with the coaches and, and stuff like that but like there's no financial support and that's what people are annoyed about right people are annoyed that Scottish athletics aren't going to have enough money to support their athletes so you know it's it'd be an interesting situation but I mean the team's still not going to be easy to make at that point because you're only taking Grice here <laughs> yeah it's, it's hard it's hard enough making a Scottish team anyway there's four of us to still compete for three spots isn't it I know. It's just, well, the Commonwealth Games, I think they're talking about maybe bringing all four of us. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. That's what we want. All right, Dave, you, you got another question or is it my turn? Oh, man, it is your turn, but I'm, I'm feeling a lot of romance between you guys. And so I'm almost thinking like we spice it up and then maybe go back to a little romantic setting between you two. So I'll ask one. Um, so we heard you're not much of a, a scary movie guy, Jake. Um, and there might have been a time where you watch Pet Cemetery and weren't able to sleep that night. What's the what's the context of that movie, and uh, how did you so, react from that? I know exactly who this rat is now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I, I have you seen Pet Cemetery? No. I got one word to describe it, and that's chilling. <laughs> Honestly, it was awful. And I, I was I was sleeping uh, in literally like the landing in Samaritz. Like we had a house, it was, I think it was me, Zach, Mark Scott, and Harvey Dixon, who I trained with. And Harvey was in the living room. Uh, Zach was like literally en route to the bathroom. There was a bed outside the bathroom. There was a little sliding door, me in the middle. And then Mark had a little room that was by another sliding door on the side. And we watched Pet Cemetery. And I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but I got insomnia after watching Pet Cemetery, <laughs> literally all the way through to Doha. There were nights where I was literally getting to sleep at like 5 a.m. And yeah, I think there was a trigger point, and it might have been how like horrible that film is. I'm not, I'm not a scary film guy anyway, but it was on, so I sat down and watched it. But never again. <laughs> so were you afraid no, of animals? True. Is that is that the thing? Is like there are animals in that yeah, movie? Yeah. So do you want to? What happens is they like they they bury like their animals that die, and then they come back alive, but they're a bit messed up, and they do it start doing it with people after that. It's horrible. But then they're coming back a bit like they're a bit freaky. So I watched that and I was like, I didn't really enjoy that. But then I was literally my mind was just going overdrive when I was lying there at night. So like yeah, it triggered some bad stuff for me. So now, I probably won't sleep tonight because you brought it back up. So thanks. For that. <laughs> it's all I'm part of the tactics. Little, I'm gonna send you the trailer again or something. I've been getting a lot of heat um, after me bringing up the. The, the the uk is better at the 1500 than the us um i brought it up on this podcast and and a lot of people a lot of high annoyed us high schoolers are sending me facts about the us in, in the 1500 what are your thoughts on um like a little four by a mile um Brit, britain versus the us i think i think that'll settle settle all the haters in the situation and you know we were the only nation to have three athletes in the final at worlds but you know apparently that's not enough for them um, so I think doing a four-bound mile will be great. Yeah, I, I don't know what we need to do to prove ourselves with it, really. Because I honestly think that we could put we could put any six people in a four-bound mile team and we'd have a very good chance. I think most, we'd win it nearly every time. That's what I think at the moment. We've got so much depth to choose from that we could have our reserve team out and we'd probably do all right still. <laughs> Mate, I mean, if you think about it, you can even add Farah in there and we'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll be all right, won't he? He's run, he's run quite quick over 15. But yeah, I I, so. the thing is that we never ever run like four bar miles or anything like that. So we'd never get the chance to, to prove it. But I hope that in the next year, even if it was a Scottish team, right? If we had a four bar mile Scottish team, I think we could run something pretty 
pretty filthy if we all had good days. Well, Even the, if one the, person had like a bad day. The indoor the indoor four by mile record is held by some jabronis. Um, I don't know they who owns it. Oh, the uh, the Brooks Beast, United States of America, David Rubich, Isaac York, uh, Brandon Kidder, Henry Wynn, just, you know, a casual 1602 with like minimal training. Um, do you guys think that you would be able to actually smash that outdoor record 1552 or is it in the 40s? Yeah, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? But yeah, if you put us in a race, right, mm-hmm. put us in a race against guys, that'd be the thing is if we we're out there on our own time trial in miles trying to do it, it'd be proper hard, but. I hope it happens, right? Like, we've only got a few more years, probably, to give it a good go if we're on a Scottish team trying to do that. But, yeah, there's, there's never been any record attempts that I've ever seen. So, why don't we give it a give it a bash? What would our order be? That's the thing. Well, the thing is, if we're in a race, the first person will probably be one of the only people that have. So, we just figure out the worst uh, time trialer <laughs> and just put them one. And then everyone, yeah, and everyone else can kind of follow along. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be proper lonely if you're running a whole mile leg if you're out mm. front leading it, right? Well, you guys have probably done DMRs and stuff at college, but I've never done anything like that. But you've got to be able to literally go out there and just hurt yourself on your own, haven't you? Yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, DMRs are never a good thing. You yeah, we don't need to get into Josh's DMR history. We usually get into that, and he'll usually cry and text me afterwards like, man, why do you have to bring that up again? So we're going to transition then off the track. We're going to get um, a little bit more banterish with our um, rat, as you call them. So you got a speeding ticket on the way to Vegas, and when you were down in Vegas, <laughs> did you ever think about making your money back to pay for that ticket? So actually, I haven't actually told everyone about that. Like, I don't think my dad knows about that, so if he listens to this. Uh, <laughs> oh, you were talking uh, before about not being able to take anything out, eh? <laughs> uh, nah, this is all right. So it's actually, uh, it's actually a pretty tragic story. So we were, we were going from Flag to Vegas to fly from there, but I'd been before. And Zach Seddon and Brad Goer, who was out the train with us as well, had never been. So we did our run at like 7 a.m. in the winter. It was freezing cold. It was bleak, pitch black. Loaded up our car, got in. And I was driving. And I'd say there was a nice downhill on this bit of road. No cars at all. But I was hitting, I hit 93. And then all of a sudden, these like sirens come behind in this cop car. And Zach is the only one that spent much time in the U.S. And he's like, ah, oh, now, nah, mate, like just wait until he comes right up behind you don't need to pull over so I kept going I like slowed down a little bit and he comes right behind he's like yeah yeah like probably pull over now and the guy's like okay can you step out of the car please so I step out and then he like turns around and he lifts up my cuffs and I thought he was just like checking if I had anything like under there and then all of a sudden he bangs on the handcuffs like proper tight they're like horrible <laughs> and then and then I was like whoa whoa like what are you doing <clears throat> and then I looked back at him and then he pushed me and shoved me against the car again and he was like, yeah, like, uh, you were going 93, and that's driving with intent to kill. And I was like, like intent to kill, there was no one on the road. Like, the only person I was going to kill was us. And uh, I was like, well, I've got a flight to catch. He was like, well, you're not making that. You're going to have to spend a night in county jail and go to court in the morning. So he took me in the back of the police car, and it was like a week before Christmas. So I was like desperate to get home. And then he was like taking all my details. And he went to the car to get Zach's license to try and uh, put his details on the hire car so he could drive them they could get home still and he saw them talking and he went up to the window and he said to Brad he's like you got something to say pop it and then they were both like nah 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 so I was in the back of this car like begging I was like oh please I need to go home for Christmas like I didn't mean to go that quick I didn't realise how quick I was going and then eventually he comes around to it and he's like okay I'll give you my one good deal of the day and I'll let you go and he gave him like a $250 speeding ticket 
But I, I'm pretty sure it was just because I had a British licence. So I don't think he was going to do anything. But he saw me as like a week praying when I was in there, like begging, nearly sobbing in the back. He <laughs> knew that I was vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Oliver Twist. I know how like sad that that British accent can come out in kids. So, you know, I, I think I would let you off the hook. I'd spend 250 bucks to uh, to see Jake White and say, I just need to go home for Christmas. <laughs> nah, I was, I was literally like in the back and I, I haven't called people sir since I was in school, but I was like, please sir, like please. <laughs> so yeah, I got home and we, we went to Vegas and we were walking around and stuff and I still had these big old marks for like two days. And going around. My worry was that I wasn't allowed back to the US if I got uh, had to go court. That was the biggest worry, right? But mm-hmm. look at me, I've been back like five times since, so it's been <laughs> right. Man, that's class. That's actually quality. I did like I, I was not expecting it to take that turn. I was like, oh right. yeah, you guys just speeding, but whatever. Do you know what though? Yeah, so I've never I've never really like had any conversations with police in the UK or police in the US but I would say the cops in the UK you see them as people and they're like pretty personable whereas that guy he was a state trooper but he was like a robot like the guy the guy looked like he had no emotion he was literally like you were going this quick this is the punishment get in the back of the car if there's any way um, if there's any way to finish this podcast and it's, it's, it's on that story <laughs> what do you think we also um have a an opportunity where i don't know if you had any individual banter that you brought for the game for josh or i um we're not very familiar with each other so i'm okay if you don't have any banter on me um but this is usually the opportunity once we have our banter had out on our end that you can open up and share some of the things that you have if you have anything my thing you lived a proper weird life in doha didn't you that was that's the last time i saw you and you were like (laughs) out so every night he, he had like he had a proper wild one every night after his heat and semi, mate. What did you go and do, mate? So every so yeah, to give some context, I I stayed on the US time um throughout my whole time in Doha, and Doha's like what ten hours difference or whatever it was. So we I was going to bed at like six a.m. and getting up at like four p.m. Doha time. So what I'd do is when we'd finish our heat and it would be like what ten p.m. at night. I'd be going for my lunch after after like the heat and the sammy and stuff, and then I'd take a like a Tupperware box with me to get some more food. But they'd never let me. They'd ever they'd always be like, you can't take more food with you and take it away. And I'd be like, nah, come on, it'd be fine. So I would be sneaking food off my plate into like this Tupperware box, and they'd just like try and catch me. They're like, sir, sir, and I was like waiting on the lift, like hitting the button, and they would just like be like running after me, like you need to put that food back. And I'm like, I can't put the food back. I have nowhere to go for dinner. Like freaking 3 a.m. so it's like yeah it was it was a weird situation but like I quite liked it because we'd finish our like we'd finish the race and like sometimes you know like anyone that does any like race and knows that you've you're kind of like if you've had caffeine or like if you've like had a really good race or whatever it's difficult to sleep that night and I'd have I'd have plenty of time <laughs> but I mean I saw about no sunlight the whole time I was in Doha. Uh, you're going and playing cards when you're with your, your parents <laughs> Yeah, I'm in my parents. Um, I'm in my pa- well. 
I didn't really make them. They want they want to stay off. They want to do it. And uh, so I'd, I'd go and play cards <laughs> every night with my parents at like I don't know one a.m. and we'd go and play cards until like two or three a.m. My mom would be like falling asleep, but absolute troopers just playing cards with me, and I'd be like, oh thanks guys. Whatever. I'd leave. Obviously they go to bed, and I'd be up for another couple hours, have my dinner in my Tupperware box, and then and and then go for go for bed. But yeah, it was it, it was an interesting life I led in Doha, but. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was just quite a loner life, to be honest. The blinds yeah, were the most, always the most shut. We saw you. Yeah, that's the, that's the danger, isn't it? But the most we saw you is probably in Mackey's at the end, after it was all done. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Carl, our nutritionist, I was never in McDonald's. I was I, I was just there to see my friends. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember seeing all the British athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone, because we literally had like, after our race, we probably had, after we got back to the hotel, like three or four hours, didn't we? So we had to get a flight. Well, you didn't. Yeah. You, you stayed on, right? I stayed. So my, my birthday was like a day after everything finished. So I stayed. We were going to go to Dubai, but like you weren't able to fly from Dubai or the Doha to Dubai or something like that. Because like, cause you, you can do that either when you're on camp. But um, So we just stayed yeah. in Doha for a couple of days and it was, you know, classic, just absolutely boiling and, and just walking around in the disgusting heat. And it was it was at it. I wasn't really much of a camel guy, no, so there wasn't, wasn't much to do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you kind of, that's what you got going, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's how it was really going on. To be honest, go jump on a camel or, or or just sit in the hotel room and play cards. So I got pretty good at cards. Yeah. Mate, do you know do you know what else? The other thing that we always creased out with you was when we were in Font Memo, and because I because I didn't know you that well when we were younger. Like I've been on teams with you. I think we were in like probably a relay team when that photo you were saying was taken, where it would be me, you, and your brother. But mm-hmm. then we didn't see you because you were in the US for whatever amount of time. And I didn't realise you had a big old nut allergy. <laughs> and the they said, like, they said on the plane, didn't they? They're like, oh, please be aware that someone on this plane has got nuts. And we we're like, who the hell is, like, uh, got nut allergies so don't have nuts? And we we're like, who the hell is this? Like, spoiling everyone's fun. And it was you. <laughs> but then you were telling us that story about when you were on a run, right? And you had, uh, you have an allergic reaction to something. And we were like, oh, like, what, what caused it? And you were like, oh, there was a new... There was a new sandwich at Witchwitch, and it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Zach was like, "Oh, what? So you had it?" And I then went out on this run, like, and had an anaphylactic shock or something. Yeah, I was like, I, I was just telling these guys it was like there was a cross contamination problem with the sandwich sandwich place I was at. I was like, yeah, they introduced this new peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That was like, oh, so you had it then? I was like, no, I didn't eat it. Like, <laughs> like I dead. just had another sandwich and they must have like used the same stuff. And I went on a run and I just started having this nut allergy attack in the middle of a run. It was the weirdest situation ever, but made it, I, made it back. I was on, um, when I was sat on the bus on the way to the final, or maybe it was the semi, so I always have peanut butter bagel before, like three hours before I race as like a snack. And I was sitting there eating it and I was like, this looks like I'm literally trying to sabotage Josh here, like, <laughs> in front of him, just peanut butter bagel, and I was like, oh, yeah, did I actually go back and sit, like, a bit further away? Man, I was just sitting there I'm eating my pancake, up. mate. I was sitting there eating my pancake, just like this. I'm the great. Nose blocks. So at the end of the, the podcast, we typically let the guests um, name the episode with whatever struck out to them or whatever was a good part of the podcast that they want to be able to highlight yeah. and be the title <laughs> of our episode. So whenever you're ready, I'll do a three, two, one, and then you'll get to name the episode. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Okay. Three, two, one. Is Josh Kerr really Scottish? <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I mean, that is a it's question done. that is answered yeah. in the quiz. So it's done. Yeah, there you go. Man, it's been fun. It's been good. Yeah, it's been Cheers, good. Bye, guys. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we will let you know, and uh, thank you very much for coming on, mate. So, a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribich. Josh Kerr. David Ribich. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribich.